you know what? If you have a residue problem, which they did, they were hopeful in the first thing, part of the spring that it wasn't going to impact them. I was there in July. We saw the impact and it was in corn and soybeans. Again, contrary to what you might think, soybeans can't just grow on concrete and they certainly can't grow through layers and layers of residue. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explore can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We're talking to Kelly Garrett and Mike Evans today about a topic we've already visited twice, and now you're getting the results. We're talking about residue problems and residue management. You know, I had Mike Evans on way back when, meaning like at the early part of this season, I'm talking about the 22-22 crop season, and we talked about a residue problem you know, you got a lot of residue out there. Corn gets really big. You want to have high yield corn. You have bigger stalks, thicker stalks, et cetera, et cetera. And they've been working with that at Garrett Land and Cattle for quite some time. They even got some products they're going to be using more of to take care of their residue issues. But this year they had high winds, which deposited residue in large volumes in certain parts of the field. And it does now, we found out, have a negative impact. They were hopeful in the preseason that it wouldn't have an impact. Mike Evans, when I last talked to you, we were in a bean field in Iowa, and we looked at spotty stand issues. I want you to tell me about that result, and you're going to talk to me about a corn-on-corn result, Kelly. So, Evans, you told me back in preseason, we're hopeful it won't have an impact. What was the impact? Turns out it was not, it was not, uh, it was not unseen. The residue cost you yield, right? Yeah, I did, um, mostly due to stand. Uh, plants weren't as thick as we wanted them, and uh, we hoped that we could manage them, maybe have those spaced-out plants produce more, but they just couldn't overcome the lack of stand that we had from that residue issue. We looked at a soybean field uh, when, when we were there, and you and I were shooting a video. In fact, it started to rain on you and I and Will, and we could look out over that field and see thin spots. What would you say the result was? Um, what expected or anticipated yield versus what the actual yield was? Did we lose ten percent on that soybean field? Yeah, I mean, we knew there was going to be a drag. I was hoping maybe you know forty to fifty. You know, we were probably ten percent off of that. I would assume in those thinner spots. Forty you know, fifty. You're hoping forty fifty what? Bushels. You were thinking 50 bushel soybeans and you ended up being less than that. Yeah, in some spots. Where the beans than... where the beans were, the beans in the in when the beans were there, the product was a good product, right? I mean it was it was a good it was a good soybean. Oh product. yeah. Oh yeah, they're you know, the guys in the com, you know, my brother in law and my son, Vern, running the combine, where the beans are standing good, they're in the seventies. But you'll get to some spots that are they're they're a zero. Because, yeah. you know, we the the corn residue is so thick that there just is no stand. And those those aren't big spots, but it doesn't take many zeros to bring you down 10%. Exactly right. So, you know, we, we always think about that, you know, consistency. When you're going across there on a combine and it's like, hey, man, where the where the, pro, where the crop is, it's good. But, again, you, you take out some bald spots. So I want to ask you a question. Um, it was about where the wind blew the stuff, Evans, and that's on soybeans. 
Then there's another issue with corn. You had a corn on cornfield that uh, residue absolutely ate your lunch on this, and you're talking in excess of 20% yield uh, yield drag on that. So tell me about that, Kelly. So typically, you know, we look at a corn on cornfield versus a rotated, you know, bean stubble to cornfield, and you know that there could be a 5, 10, maybe 12% yield deficit just from the corn on corn penalty. But our first planted cornfield was a corn on corn and it made 165. And the corn across the road, a rotated field is making 210. You know, that's a 25% penalty, 20% penalty. Uh, So we very much feel that the residue caused that because it's a stand reduction. The ears that are out there are great, they're huge but there's just not enough of them ends up with 165 bushel yield. We've not had a cornfield make that since 2014 when the diseased Northern corn leaf blight was bad. And the residue is very much rearing its ugly head right now. The first week, the first week that we planted, the wind blew a lot and, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. Then we had some weather and we had about a week off and then the wind settled down and everything we planted that first week, be it beans or corn, we're having residue problems. I'm just glad. I'm just glad it only persisted that week. Mike, when we were there and uh, you, you know, at the end of the whole video, uh, we talked about the first time we talked about before when the, when the stuff was just being planted, you were hopeful that it wasn't going to have an impact. Then we stood in that soybean field. It was obvious it was going to have an impact because, again, the combine rolls across the field and there's areas with nothing that, that equals zero with the yield monitor. Uh, looking back at it now, you were hopeful that it wasn't going to have an impact. You did have an issue with emergence. You had an issue with stand, period. What's your resolution? Well, um, avoid 90-mile-an-hour winds if you can. Yep. <laughs> but but I was been I was been bad. You you had a derecho a few years ago and now you got this. So okay, you can't avoid you can't avoid the wind. Now what? Well, we got managed residue and managing that is breaking it down quicker. So you know, we run the devastators on the corn heads, so we'll continue doing that. But now we're adding a product that we sell here called Rest Cycle that helps uh, break the residue down quicker, starts digesting it faster. First off, what's the thing on the corn head that you just said? Uh, it's called a Yetter dev- Stock Devastator. So it's a roller that's attached to the head that crimps the, crimps the standing stocks. And by crimping the stock, then it creates more service area for water and air to get to it to break to yep. degrade the thing. Let's talk about then the other issue. In the old days, you know what Kelly's grandpa did to get rid of residue? Uh, they went out to the moldboard plow and put it down underneath a layer of, uh, of dirt. Then you got no residue issue. Why aren't we doing that? But I was just going to say erosion is a big thing. And erosion and and. and- that great smell that you have when you turn the earth over is all the carbon being released. Yeah. Uh, no-till is the only path for us, in my opinion, like Mike says, conservation, erosion, but also the more carbon I can put in the soil, the better my yields are going to be. So tillage is not an option. And you're getting paid for carbon credits, which is something we've talked about, dear listener. If you are new yep. to the Extreme Ag podcast and video series, Please go back and look at it. We've covered this a number of times with Kelly because he's one of the absolute forefront farmers in the United States of America getting paid for carbon. So go and check that stuff out. Uh, and I was being facetious, of course, because I've been in your fields. I, If I come there in the wintertime, I'll pack my skis because you've got 40% slopes on some of those fields. So, yes, plowing is not an option because your field will end up down in the bottom of the draw. Um, 
<clears throat> res cycle. There are a number of products out there that are supposed to be degrading uh, the residue, and we work with a few of them. Why are you excited about ResCycle, Kelly? Well, we've been looking for a product that will really make a difference for a couple, three years, and we've tested uh, half a dozen of them probably, but nothing has had the effect that ResCycle was. The problem is we discovered it this spring and tested it this spring with great results. Uh, if we had discovered it a year ago, then we could have had it on last fall and maybe I wouldn't have had that 165 bushel uh, cornfield and I wouldn't have had the zeros in the bean field. Which but we, we put it on this spring and showed great results. Okay, so that brings me to the next question. Uh, we know we got residue out there. We like the residue. Residue holds the soil. Residue uh, is, you know, it holds carbon. It, uh, it's, it's, not, it's natural, you know, it's, it's natural, re it's, it's resources, fertilizer. Uh, we have a stat somewhere, isn't it like 30% of the, fertilizer you put on last year's crop is still in the residue out there so we want that stuff to be out there right yeah when are you going to put this product on because you put it on in the spring and it worked for you are you going to put this in the fall yes and that's one of the exciting things for me about res cycle the plant food byproduct that we spray that's our main source of fertility res cycle will live in that acidic environment of the plant food so we're saving a pass we're putting you know, it's 1.75 gallons per load of plant food that goes out and it's all getting applied with the fertility uh, We're and it's ready to go. Uh, so you, you, do you see yourself using this twice? Evans, is this, is this a product we should use twice? Should we put it in the spring? Should we put it in the fall to begin the process and then in the spring or is that overkill? Uh, I think some areas we will use a two-pass mm -hmm. method. If it's really heavy residue, heavy, you know, we have great yields in one field, we're probably put it on in spring too to help keep moving that along. Okay. Um, you know, standard practice would probably be just one pass, either fall or spring. But, you know, in those heavy residue scenarios, we want to break it down fast right. as we can. And, okay. it, you know, I equate it to like, a you know, tillage pass, you know, guys that till, you know, they'll, they'll rip in the fall yeah. on heavy ground and then they'll come back and field cultivate on the planter. You know, that costs money too. So for us, it's kind of that same realm I, I would look at it as. Uh, answer me this then, uh, the person that's listening to this says, all right, um, I'm not gonna have 90 mile an hour winds where I have a bunch of residue piled up. Do I need to do something like this? Your answer would be. My answer is yes, because if we go out there and degrade those, that corn residue with stalks, whatever you want to call it, number one in 200 bushel corn stalks, in my opinion, there's about a hundred dollars in fertility. I'd sure like to go get that and make it available to the next crop. Also the disease that overwinters in those corn stalks in that, in that the, the res cycle is going to use that as a food source. And so the res cycle is going to eat up all those stalks, all that residue and destroy the food source for the diseases. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to evaluate this next year at this time, but we very much feel that we're going to have better plant health by getting rid of the food source for the disease. Yeah. So the point is, uh, I knew your answer was going to be to the person that doesn't have a wind issue or even a person that might do some tillage, you still say you something that's going to begin the process of getting that stuff eaten down and putting it back into your soil. Yes, Mike? Yep. Yeah. I pulled the stat, by the way, from our friends at Agerson, and they say that their findings are your corn stalks retain up to 80% of the potassium, 40% of the phosphorus, and 30% of the nitrogen that you applied to last year's corn crop. So uh, the, the better we can do about extracting those nutrients and putting them in there. Um, <clears throat> 
answer me this. If you're putting soybeans into corn stalks, people say, ah, soybeans can grow about anywhere. It doesn't matter if there's residue out there or not. So your answer to those people would be still, you better manage it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used to be that person, you know, just throw them on the concrete and they'll grow. Well, it proved this year that we need to, we need to pay attention to it a lot better. No, we saw a lot of bald spots in that field. It was actually very telling to me because it was not a soil issue. It's not, we were in the best part of, you know, Iowa, Crawford County, and we still couldn't get soybeans to grow. And I, I, I thought, for God's sakes, you can throw soybeans out the window. And um, the person that does a lot of tillage, you say, still do this. The person that's going to do the crop rotation does. The person that has the wind does it. Is there any reason you would never use this? Is there any reason that you're like, hey, it's just a, it's a money you wouldn't need? Isn't there, is there a perfect scenario where you're like, we don't need to spend the money on a product that melts down the residue because it's just not necessary. Is there a time when you're like, don't prescribe it? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think if you look going forward of what guys are paying for fertilizer, why wouldn't you want to be reusing the nutrients you already got, you know, and you know, you talk about tillage guys. I think Temple's got a video of he's a little more tillage than Kelly is. Uh, he's been using uh res cycle too. And, uh, seeing great results in a tillage environment. So it, you can visually see it in Temple's fields where he's using tillage. I mean, disease control, releasing the nutrients that you have available. So you have to use less synthetic. It's a no, to me, it's a no brainer. There's, there's not a reason to, to say no to the idea. It goes back to the Neil Kinsey thing too, of like, you know, once a plant adjusts the nutrient, it's 10 times more available than the next nutrient. So yes. why not be using that? that efficiency of the, the plant already digesting those nutrients. Got it. And then last uh, question for you. If you head into a situation next year where you've had a tremendous amount of wind and you've got big areas like that and you uh, having this year's results where you only bumped a 165 yield uh, when you know it's a 210 uh, bushel type of a field, do you go out there and get crazy? You're going to do like Matt Miles and take the incinerator out and burn it? What are you going to do next year if you have residue problems? No, I don't want to burn it. I would just continue to, I'd, I'd find a product that works for me and I would consider to spray that um, on the residue to get it to erode. I, you want the fertility, you want the disease control. You know, I, I don't want to burn it because I don't want to be without those nutrients. I don't want to till it because I don't want to be without my carbon. This is the you only missed, option. You misspoke, by the way. You said you, you want it to erode. You want it to degrade. You don't want I want it to, to degrade. Erode. Yes. No, I don't want it to erode. Pardon well, me. In those, I want most, it to degrade. Yeah. In those scenarios, too, guys, I've talked to a few guys about this problem this fall already. And, you know, they always ask, do we, what could I add? And you can add some nitrogen, some UAN, some sulfur in there to help accelerate that process and help that degrading process. It's going to cost you more, but if you're really concerned about it, I think it's worth the investment to throw that on there to get that jump started. Smart statement. That's why we keep you around, Evan. So basically you can heat it, you can heat this stuff up. You can make this, you can make yep. this res cycle or a product like it hotter is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you can just jumpstart it, get that, you know, get those bugs more active. And, we, you know, the plant food has a, a fair amount of sulfur in it. So we feel like we're heating it up. You know, the plant food goes out at a rate of 400 gallons per acre. It's got a fair amount of sulfur, phosphorus, some nitrogen in it. So I feel that we're heating the rest cycle up and I'm expecting great results. Got it. That's Mike Evans. He is the uh, agronomist at Garrett Land and Cattle. That's Kelly Garrett, one of the founding members of Extreme Ag. I'm Damian Mace. Until next time, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. 
Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits.